Okay, the recorder is on. This is Serving Church Fellowship on October 18. All right, let's get underway. I want to go back, if you remember last week, we were talking about when the new heavens and the new earth are created, and there was some discussion, remember, that um, the new heavens refer to the first heaven and the second heaven, right? The atmosphere that we, our air that we breathe is the first heaven and the second heaven is uh, the stars, what we call space. The third heaven is where God resides. That doesn't need to be recreated because it's perfect and it's his home. Uh, so the first and second heavens and the earth uh, will get a redo, right? Uh, in, in eternity. I, uh, I found a interesting tidbit on that. I want to share it with you uh, just because we, we discussed it last week, and I want to leave this with you because it's, it's interesting. What about people that are on Mars and the moon? Does that include it in the first heaven? That would be the second. Okay. <laughs> second heaven. Uh, both the professors at Dallas Theological Seminary and uh, Dr. David Jeremiah uh, quote 2 Peter 3.10, and they point to the New International Version translation as the most accurate. Let me read it, and then I'll tell you why. Uh, verse 10, again, this is First Peter, or 2 Peter, rather, 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Now notice that last phrase, will be laid bare, versus total destruction. And this is important. This is an important clarification. Remember that the earth was cursed along with Adam and Eve at the time of the fall in the garden, right? Both humanity and the earth itself were, were cursed. We are not going to be totally annihilated, and then God will create us out of nothing again. We will be rejuvenated. We will be reborn um, with a perfect nature, unsin nature, holy nature, and with holy bodies, new bodies made for eternity. So we don't get totally destroyed, but we get renewed, we get rejuvenated. Same goes for the earth itself. Uh, the earth and the first and second heaven are not going to be totally destroyed, and that's an important clarification. Just like us, it's going to be laid bare. In other words, we're going to be uh, taken down uh, to our essence and then given these glorious new trappings for all eternity. Same with the earth. The earth will still be the earth. The earth will not pass away, but it will, as the NIV says, it will be laid bare and everything done it will be laid bare. In other words, it'll just be taken down to its basic elements, and then God is going to rejuvenate it so it's a new earth that will be made for eternity. And um, you'll notice, and we won't get into this at, at the moment, 
But if you go back and you look at those revelation scriptures that refer to the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no sea. Why will there be no sea? There will be water. We know because there will be a river. Uh, scripture tells us that there will be fresh water on the earth, but no seas. The purpose of salt water is to preserve things. Um, and in eternity, preserving will not be necessary because everything will last forever. And so there will be no reason for the seas anymore. There will be water again. There will be fresh water in the rivers, but, but no seas. Uh, and, and again, the, the big clarification here is that the heavens first second heaven and the earth are not totally destroyed they're not nuked but they're laid bare they're they're taken down to their basics and then god refreshes or rejuvenates and creates a new heaven a new earth uh based upon his original creation remember his original creation creation he called good it was sin that messed it up and so anyway, I wanted to offer that to you to chew on, think about a little bit. Uh, if you have time to compare the translations, some of the other translations give a sense of um, the earth being totally destroyed. But these scholars, who I give a lot of credit to, say the translation of, of the Greek there really gives more of a sense of it's being laid bare just like we are, we're, we're, we're our earthly bodies are not needed anymore, but our essence is still there, but we're recreated. We're given new bodies for eternity and the same thing uh, for the earth itself. So anyway, I wanted to offer that. To Mr. You Mike, what was that scripture? What was that scripture? Uh, yeah. Second Peter three verse 10. Okay. Yeah. Second Peter verse three. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 10. Yes. Okay. And again, the NIV. Yeah. It's very interesting because the NIV gets criticized a lot for yeah. um, not being exact. And But every once in a while, the NIV turns out to be a better translation than others. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like to, I have five, I think, going <laughs> at the same time to look at. And the reason for that is to compare them yeah. and then to look back at, at the Greek and, and see what it, the context is, you know? So anyway, this is one of those times when the NIV probably is right on the money and, and has a more accurate uh, translation and meaning than, than the others. Um, and I happened to fall on that um, reading one of David, Dr. David Jeremiah's sermons about uh about revelation so anyway offer that to you to think about and and uh just put in the back of your minds for the future okay any uh any other questions on that a new what mike a what new about heaven? what about those that are not here on the earth that are on the moon or are on mars you think that'll all happen well, they're all put, yeah, because they're all part of that second heaven. Okay. Yeah. John, you had a question? Yes, yeah, second heaven. Uh, no, the, the heaven will not be destroyed totally, and the earth will not be destroyed totally, but rejuvenated. Right. 
just like we are. In other words, th think of it like God deals with his creation of man. He doesn't, in, for eternity, he doesn't destroy us and then recreate us. Uh, our old skin, our old tent, as Paul says, is destroyed, but we're given new bodies for eternity. And it is the same for creation as well, based on what we're looking at here in, in 2 Peter uh, 3.10. So again, remember, there's three heavens. The first heaven is the air that we breathe, the atmosphere. The second heaven is what we call space. <clears throat> and the third heaven, where Paul was taken either in body or in spirit when he was in Arabia, after the Damascus experience, experience, that third heaven is where God resides. And of course, nothing will need to be changed there because it's holy and, and perfect and it's God's home. So that will not change. But uh, the atmosphere, uh, the second heaven space, and the earth itself are going to be given new skin, I, I, if, oh. if you want to use that that analogy it is going to be redone and it won't be going back to what the garden of Eden was. It'll be the garden of Eden on steroids. You know, it, it's, oh. it's, it's going to be an amazing and, and Jerusalem uh, and we're not quite there yet, but Jerusalem will be, uh, will be part of that. Okay. Any other well, questions well, there? Okay. Yeah. Uh, will our bodies, new creation of our bodies, are, are we going to look anything like those Hollywood uh, uh, bodies that they come up with? <laughs> yeah, or those those guys and gals on those commercials on those exercise cycles. Nobody looks like that. Give me a break. I mean, they do, but nobody. If, well, you know, I wouldn't look world. like that in a thousand years. Yeah. Anyway. Well, if 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 he listens to prayer as he does. Then, then I want to pray at a time that uh, when I'm recreated, I kind of want to look like uh, Clark Gable. <laughs> okay, we'll put we'll put your order in and see what happens. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, where we left off, we are still in the first uh, couple of verses of Revelation 20, and I want to open up. Ezekiel 20, verses 30 to 38, uh, because what we're dealing right now with is, is the judgment of the Jews of the nation of Israel. Uh, these are the Jews who are living at the end of the tribulation period. And this passage in Ezekiel 20 is one of those that, that seems to mesh, uh, that seems to be like a puzzle piece that fits with with chapter 20 uh, of Revelation. So Ezekiel 20 and Revelation 20 seem to correspond uh, to the appearance of, of Christ, his second coming, uh, after he defeats the armies that are set against him. So uh, let me just read um, this for you. If you don't have it, that's fine, not a problem. But let me read uh, Ezekiel 20, 30 to 38. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will rule over you with an iron fist and great anger and with awesome power. 
Remember, he's talking to his, his children, his nation of Israel right now. And in anger, I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm, and I will bring you back from the lands where you were scattered. Now, when we think of uh, New Testament times and beyond, remember the diaspora, uh, the persecution of the Jews sent them all over the world. Jews are found all over the world. Uh, but at this time, God is going to call them all back uh, to the Middle East. I will bring you back from the lands where you were scattered. I will bring you into the wilderness of the nations, and there I will judge you face to face. I will judge you there just as I did your ancestors in the wilderness after bringing them out of Egypt, says the Sovereign Lord. I will examine you carefully and hold you to the terms of the covenant. I will purge you of all those who rebel and revolt against me. I will bring them out of the countries where they are in exile, but they will never enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am Lord. So the background here, just as a reminder, throughout history, Israel comes into righteous relationship with God, and then she often, and this is a pattern if you remember, she'll turn away from God and, and be seduced by the gods and the autonomy of other nations. And the diaspora, the, the scattering of the Jews throughout the world is a testament to God's historic judgment. Uh, of his people for rejecting him and especially rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. But now as the final judgments are rendered in the context of the closing of the end times, a final judgment occurs of the Jewish people. And God will bring the nation of Israel back into a permanent covenant relationship with him. He will hold to his promises, even though Israel has broken many of those covenants over the years. But for individual Jews, now that's the nation of Israel. He will be true to his covenant with her. But individual Jews, their participation in the millennial rule of Christ is going to depend upon their acceptance or their rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. All right, so we have two principles working here in this judgment. One is the nation of Israel, with whom God will keep his promises. But then there, there are the individual Jewish people within the nation, and uh, those that reject him, he is going to reject ultimately in, in the judgment. Jeremiah 31, and I know I'm skipping around in the Old Testament here, and forgive me for that, but it's important. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33, reads this way. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I have loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. 
I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So God is going to restore Israel as a nation in the end times. And there are going to be several results of that. One is, God, of course, is going to be faithful to his promises to Israel, as he is always faithful to his promises. And the believers in the nation of Israel will experience a special place in God's kingdom forever. And, and Israel will know the Lord God Almighty, the great I Am, Yahweh, as they have never known him before. And it's not going to be because of their actions, but as a result of God's faithfulness to her and the promises that are being kept. Now, what that means, uh, we don't have a precise handle on that, although we have some inklings, and we'll discuss that as we look at the last two chapters. But, uh, but Israel is, is going to have a very, very special place with a new covenant with God for all eternity. Uh, after the tribulation period, and it will be those Jews that believe in him that will experience this. Uh, those who believe, who repent of their national rebelliousness throughout the ages, they, they will be part of this new covenant uh, with God. And again, uh, just always be wary of the replacement theory that the church replaces the nation of Israel. Not true, plenty of scripture to support that Israel will, the nation of Israel will occupy a special place in, in God's kingdom for eternity. Is that only uh, for believers though? Jewish yes. believers? Only Jewish yeah. believers, not all Jews. Yes, it is the nation of Israel made up of believing Jews. Yes. Now here's an interesting thing, and I don't know that I want to get uh, too heavy into this right now, because we're going to uh, take a look at what the millennial rule looks like uh, beginning next week. But there will be a millennial temple, it looks like, during Christ's rule after his second coming. And there will be animal sacrifices made by the Jews on earth living at the time, and it's not for, the, uh, for sin issues but sacrifices made as a memorial of their relationship and of their covenant, of their reminder of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, uh, the Lamb of God for these Jews. Uh, the Gentiles will not, will not uh, participate in this. By the way, during the millennial rule, obviously, there's not going to be any communion. There won't be any Lord's Supper because we're there with the Lord. So there won't be any do this in remembrance of me because we'll, we'll be with him, okay? Um, the millennial temple, and, and again, if you want to kind of look ahead, the, the millennial temple is probably going to look a lot like the original temple. And if you want to go back and take a look at that, uh, Exodus 40 uh, gives us a lot of uh, details uh, on that, Okay. All right, so getting back, and, and we'll explore that a little bit later. Uh, getting back to the judgment, there will be a judgment of individual Jewish people as God gathers the nation of Israel back for the millennial rule. 
Israel will be restored, but not all Jews will be part of it. Those who have rejected Christ <clears throat> will experience eternal punishment, eternal separation uh, from God. So I think sometimes there's confusion when we say the nation of Israel will uh, be part of God's millennial kingdom and, and his eternity. It is the nation of Israel, but those Jews of the nation of Israel who believe. You, right? you said he, something. I have a question for you. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you used a word internal, you know, for those uh, Jews, internal punishment. Uh, eternal. Internal. Internal punishment. Eternal. Eternal. eternal that's what i thought yeah eternal yeah, yeah that's yeah, what eternal. i mean too right <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. yeah i'm surprised there's a word punishment there because as believers right they we don't hear that that for us there's eternal punishment but here in the jews that you know believe right how could that be uh i'm, I'm sorry i'm not following your question i, I thought help, for us, help me with that like the gen the gentiles like as believers right um which was clarified to me i believe by others and yourself but we won't go through punishment it's a lack of how much uh, lack of rewards that we will receive on judgment That's so correct. as far as so lack of you know rewards that we will receive on our judgment day but why right. is he their eternal punishment for the jews which if they're believers the, right for the no for the non-believing non -be jews believe it non-believers internal punishment just like not internal punishment just for the ones that don't believe that are not jews as well correct correct okay correct yeah yeah, so does yeah. That it's this okay. same go ahead <laughs> so my my thing is um that inter that punishment I mean, we don't even know what does that punishment mean, like uh, hell. I mean, Christians don't talk about hell much, but you know, is that what it is? Yeah, and that's you know, a couple weeks ago we we talked about coming to the point of making an internal decision for each of us on what we understand eternal punishment to be. Uh, there are some who consider eternal punishment to be, uh, for non-believers, to be annihilation. In other words, they just cease to exist. Um, others uh, take the, the literal uh, punishment here that they are uh, thrown into the lake of fire. Um, and we, 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 we will unpack all of that again towards the end of our study of Revelation, because as we look in the rearview mirror at Revelation, uh, it requires us to come to terms with what that means. And I'm not going to unpack that today, but that is a good point, because individually we need to decide doctrinally for ourselves what eternal punishment uh, believe, uh, means. Uh, is it yeah. simply just separation from God, annihilationism, or does it actually mean eternal punishment? And that that a literal translation of a revelation would indicate that. So anyway, we'll we'll go back and revisit that and make sure that we look at all the different perspectives on that 
uh, before we leave Revelation. I think that's going to be really important. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so let's uh, let's pick back up now with John's narrative in uh, Revelation 20, verse 4. We've only gotten to verse 4, and we're in our second week here. But that's Revelation for you. All right, verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, listen to this. Verse 8. No, verse 5, very carefully. This is the first resurrection the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. All right. That first phrase, this is the first resurrection. What does that mean? John is referring to the first resurrection that occurs of believers after the second coming. It is not the very first resurre uh, resurrection, because in historical perspective, Jesus was the first resurrection, right? <laughs> With historical accounts. A resurrection of the dead occurred at the time as well that Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross. Let me go back to Matthew 27.50 for a minute. Look, look for two resurrections happening here. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Here we go. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Right, so remember, so there's two resurrections happening here. Jesus res being resurrected from the dead, and then the tombs and all it says of many saints and who they are, we don't know. We'll find out maybe in eternity. But uh, many saints who were buried and had had died and, and were buried, their tombs were opened after Jesus's resurrection. Not only were they resurrected and they came out of their graves, but they entered Jerusalem and they appeared to people in Jerusalem. All right, so that's the first historic resurrection. All right, so the reference here in verse 5 to the first resurrection doesn't mean the first resurrection ever. It means, in context, the first resurrection of believers after Jesus comes back to earth at the end of the tribulation period. Is that making sense? Question? The first resurrection, the first resurrection after Christ regarding the believers. The first resurrection was Jesus himself, historically. Right. The second were 
saints the, mar the were martyrs, buried. Right? Not, uh, no. No, remember, nope. this is at Jesus's. To, we're out of Revelation now. We're going back to, to uh, Matthew. Those mm -hmm. are not martyrs that are raised when Jesus resurrected over 2,000 years ago. They were saints, but not necessarily martyrs. They were just people that died but were believers, apparently. And their bodies were resurrected. They came out of their tombs after Jesus was resurrected. And they actually walked into Jerusalem and talked with people. All right. So the, the reason for going back there is to point out that historically is the first resurrection and the second. What John is talking about here in verse 5 when he says this is the first resurrection, he's talking about the first resurrection in the end times, the resurrection uh, 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 that, that happens after Jesus has put his feet back on earth. This is the first, putting it in context, this is the first resurrection that occurs after the second coming. Okay, so we got the difference there. John's talking about this is the first resurrection since Jesus landed back on earth. The historic first and second resurrection happened when Jesus died and rose again. Mike, why, why are they walking among the people, the, the saints? I mean, is that just because? Is there some significance to that? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us, Lee. Uh, when, when Jesus rose from the dead and, and these other saints came out of their uh, tombs, um, we can speculate that they were there to say uh, that, uh, you know, to, to, to give, uh, what I wanna, what's the word I'm looking, validity to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, because the people in Jerusalem would have known, hey, wait a minute. Didn't I bury you a year ago? You know, I saw you dead and go on the ground. And, and their witnesses, they are now alive and well as a testament to there is a resurrection. Uh, but that's Isn't speculation, that big, unfortunately. I'm sorry? Isn't there a big time span between this or no? I guess I'm missing something in this piece. Yeah, let me, let me go back. Yeah, let me let me go back and 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 fix the time frame for you. The reason we're talking about Jesus's resurrection and those who rose from the dead after his resurrection is because right. here in Revelation 20 John uh says in verse 5 this is the first resurrection. Yeah. We'll misinterpret true. that misinterpret that saying wait a minute that can't be the first resurrection because jesus was the first resurrection they're right okay. they're right because john is not talking about the very first resurrection john in verse 5 and in, in chapter 20 is talking about the first resurrection that occurs after the second coming okay so what i've done is i went back and i just rehearsed the first and second resurrection uh, were 
when Jesus rose from the dead and these saints got out of their tombs. And then, of course, uh, at just prior to the tribulation period, if you're a pre-tribber, during the rapture, uh, there's the, the resurrection of the dead in Christ who, uh, who go to meet him in the sky, right? And then those of us who are left will meet him. So there's another resurrection. So my, my point in saying all that is when, when you read chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 5, when it says this is the first resurrection, it's talking about the first resurrection after the second coming. that help no not really because i i okay. never i'll never have continuity because i was talking about a different thing like but it's not that important just how my hair works i'm about detail well that's okay let me i want to answer your question what what were you referring to uh the time span you know when when the saints rise <laughs> and are uh walking through the people of Jerusalem. I thought there was a big time span between those people, those saints that had died, um, and the, the saints that had died, and the people, you know, when Christ resurrected them. I don't know how to clarify it, Mike, but I know what I mean, but it's okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll, re I'll read about it. <laughs> okay, or or we can talk offline. So we're talking okay. about two events that occurred. Uh, well, were they close together? We, I guess. No. Okay, got it. The re the the resurrection in in Revelation twenty is that we're talking about, or or the resurrection back in Jesus's time? No, the resurrection in twenty twenty. So. So I have Revelation a 20. Yeah, there's yeah, because that hasn't happened yet. Okay, got it. Yeah, so there's over we know there's over 2000 years separation because um, we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back, although we're kind of hoping sooner than later, I think. That's my, my, I'd yeah. be okay today, actually. But uh, yeah, so there's a tremendous time span between uh, Jesus's resurrection 2000 years ago and, and, uh, the saints that were resurrected with him, uh, that happened 2000 years ago. What we're talking about now is the first resurrection that occurs at Jesus's second coming, which is yet to happen. So we know it's at least 2000 years plus separation. Okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I want you to ask questions because I don't, I don't want there to be confusion. I'm confused enough. Well, All right. So, um, go ahead. It would go have ahead. been interesting if he had said, <laughs> sorry, John made this very complicated. Forgive me, John, but you did. Because, <laughs> you know, in this, just in this verse, it would be more understandable if there was a term second resurrection, right? Because the, the difference between the two of them, the first and the second, right? So, but then in this one, you see that in the second, well, there, there is that too, because the first one is when Jesus comes and there's that rapture time. 
and like you spoke of, you know, where the dead will, you know, uh, be up in the air with him, you know, taken, you know, with him mm-hmm. uh, that are saved. But in this one, it seems to be this where they will reign with with him for a thousand years. Is that correct? With Christ? Yes, this, yes. And, and again, what, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's the translation of the mm-hmm. Greek or whether God just chose to be ambiguous. Um, yeah. What would have been more clarifying is if it read, this is the first resurrection yeah. after Jesus returned to earth. That's mm-hmm. what it means, but it isn't what it says. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and the reason we know that is because of what I've gone over historically here. So yeah, it, it can't be the first resurrection. So in context, it's the first resurrection after Jesus's second coming, when he defeats mm-hmm. all the armies against him and and he has uh, that uh, uh, the millennial rule, and then yeah. the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah. Well, yeah, what's interesting says, is that yeah. what the rain. The, the, I'll, I'll just finish with this one. When the when it's the the one in the second part of here in John, you know, which basically they will be, you know, a thousand years, right, of the holy ones that's going to reign with him. So do you have an answer who that is? Is it the 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 Jews? The oh uh, yeah, we do have an answer, but uh, I'm not going to answer it yet. Uh, oh okay. Because we got to, I got to lay the bricks in place so that we can put that brick on top of it, if that makes sense. Okay. I'll just... Yeah. So yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right on the money. It's just, I I need to build up to that so that we, it's kind of like building a, a Lego set. You know, we're, we're building a foundation and then we're putting in the blocks on top of it and, and that blocks coming, but we need to fill in the underneath. So we understand why uh, things are happening. So yeah, good question. And I'll get to it. (laughs) Good patience. I have to have good patience. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, all right, so let's look at the end of verse f- that verse five. Boy, that's a booger, isn't it? We've spent a whole hour on verse five almost. Here's the second part of it the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Hmm, now who are the rest of these dead? Well, yeah, I know, who is- yeah, by most accounts. These are probably the wicked who have died, those who oppose Jesus, and they are brought back to life to face judgment at the end of the millennial rule of Christ. So when verse 5 says, the rest of the dead did not come back, Uh, In other words, the wicked that have previously died, those who rejected Christ, uh, they are going to still be buried and lifeless during the millennial rule. When the millennial rule is done, when that thousand years is done, 
then they will be brought back to life. They will be resurrected to face their judgment. Now, that's the wicked. Let me switch gears and talk about the believers. The resurrection of the believers after the return of Christ really occurs in stages. Okay? How much time? I got another nine minutes. We can, we can do this. All right, stage one. Some believers are brought back to life from their graves, just like happened when Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago and some, some of the believers uh, were resurrected. Some believers are going to be brought back to life from their grave. Now, the passage doesn't tell us, but we kind of assume that they died a second death. And that the rapture had yet to happen, and Scripture doesn't mention anyone ascending into heaven with Christ in Acts 1. Okay, so there are believers that are brought back from their graves, and that stage happens at the rapture. All right? Those who have died will precede us, and then we who are left will join them in the air with the Lord. All right, so stage one, and again, we're going back to Matthew 27 here, is uh, when, when, when Jesus uh, ascends back in, into heaven. Let me read for clarity Acts 1. I'm trying to go slow here because I know this is going to get confusing. New King James Version, Acts 1, verse 9. Now, this is after Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. All right, so he's. this is evidence that Jesus is going to come back a second time. So the first resurrection of believers occurs when Jesus died he rose again, and those believers 2,000 years ago who were a few of them who were dead, they rose again. That's stage one. Stage two happens at the rapture. The dead in Christ rise first, then us who are assuming we're still living, then we who are left will join Jesus in the sky. Remember, that's in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. And remember this quote, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like the people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him believers who have died. 
as talking about the second coming, Jesus is going to bring with him believers who have died, but their bodies are still on the earth. So that last verse is important. These are New Testament believers who are with the Lord in spirit in heaven, but their bodies remained on earth. And this is fascinating to me that Jesus, when he comes back for the rapture, is going to bring those spirits of those dead believers with him during the rapture, and their bodies then will be reunited with him. It is not a sense of their bodies are there and their bodies just rise during the rapture. Jesus brings the spirits of these people who have died with him in the rapture, and then he reunites their spirit with their bodies. And so when we talk about the rapture, Jesus brings with him the spirit of those who have died, and then what happens is their bodies are reunited with them. They join Jesus in the sky, and then we who are left join Jesus as well. So that questions on that, on the rapture part? Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we will be with the Lord forever. So that's resurrection number two. The first one occurs when Jesus rises from the dead and those few saints arise with him. That's the first historic resurrection. The second historic resurrection is at the rapture. That's uh, stage two. Now we move to stage three. Stage three resurrection for believers are the two witnesses. Remember them? The, the Antichrist had them assassinated and they were left for dead on the streets of Jerusalem for the world to see for three and a half days. Remember this from Revelation 11. And again, this is resurrection number three. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies, the two witnesses. No one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. But after three and a half days, God breathed life into them and they stood up, terror struck all who were staring at them, and a loud voice came from heaven, calling to the two prophets, come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. Okay, that's resurrection number three. All right. Resurrection number four. 
of believers. When Jesus returns to earth at the second coming, at the end of the tribulation period, those believers who were martyred during the tribulation period will be resurrected. And here, and again, let me read verses four and five of Revelation 20 again. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for pro proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. There you go, Roshni. These are some of the people who will be reigning with Christ for a thousand years, those people who have been martyred during the tribulation period. Okay, that's good, because that's what I had okay. in my book when I Theology, yeah. yeah. Now, okay. question may enter your mind, entered my mind. What about the Old Testament saints? Because they're not specifically mentioned here. The Old Testament saints will be resurrected, I believe, at the same time as well. They're not mentioned, but when John writes that he saw the souls of those who had beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and pro, for uh, proclaiming the word of God, I, I believe at this time the Old Testament saints have to be resurrected at this time uh, because there are no more resurrections of believers at this point. So you think they're going to be with us at that time, not by themselves, resurrected? The Old Testament saints? Uh-huh, Old Testament saints. Yeah, they will be in stage four after the second coming. And I believe by process oh, okay. of elimination that they will be resurrected with those who have been martyred during the tribulation period. Because they're not mentioned otherwise, and there are no more resurrections of believers, so it has to happen... Uh, some point. And that would be Abraham and David and Jeremiah and all of those. Pro presumably, yeah. Now, here's something, and I'll wind up here. I'll wind up here shortly. We'll, we'll just take another two or three minutes. By the way, it is recorded, and so those who had to leave, they can, we'll have the recording. When John writes that he saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God, how do you see souls? How do you see spirit? We don't see the Holy Spirit can sense the Holy Spirit, but can't see the Holy Spirit. How do you see souls? The only explanation here is I believe, and as, as do some other theologians, that these believers who are martyred during the tribulation period must receive some kind of intermediate heavenly body so John could actually see them. Otherwise, they'd be invisible. You understand what I'm saying? That's the only explanation that I think there is. 
they all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So these spirits of the these those that had died during their tribulation period, John sees them, which indicates to me that there must be some kind of interim physicalness that they have, some type of interim body in order for John to be able to uh, to see them. And that, again, that's my supposition. I the scripture. Scripture doesn't tell us. All right, so back to the beginning, and I'll, I'll wind up here in a minute. Back to the beginning of verse 4. Now, this is important, too. We, we blew by this. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. Who are these people? God apparently didn't identify them for John. Now, there's a theory that these people who are sitting on the thrones with authority to judge might be the disciples of Jesus themselves. Those that believe that, quote um, Luke 22, 29 to 30, you have or 28, you have stayed with me in my time of trial, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, is this what John is talking about? I don't know. I followed the rabbit trail here. First of all, if those who are sitting on these thrones to judge are the disciples, don't you think John would recognize them? I mean, he spent at least three years with these people. So I, I'm not convinced that these are the disciples. I'm not convinced they're not. I just, Scripture doesn't tell us. And again, I would assume that John would recognize his, his brothers in, in Christ. Uh, if, he if would that like that, yes. He would recognize them. I, I would think so. And so anyway, that, that's a mystery to me. It's one of those mysteries. It's one of those imponderables that we don't have an answer to that we probably won't know till we are on the other side of eternity. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. Verse 5, boy, that, that took us a while, didn't it? And I hope you're not totally confused. Just to, out of curiosity, because now that we are in a thousand years, and I mean, I have it in my Bible, I wrote it down, we're in the millennium era, but this is not American time, you know, years, thousand years, correct? I mean, this is Jewish time that we're talking about, correct? No, it's translated to a thousand years. Uh, so translated, okay. So thousand is translated. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a literal. Well, okay. Let me back up a second. Yes. Again, remember the lens that I'm looking through is the lens of literal futurist. In other words, we huh. take Revelation literally, unless 
the literal interpretation begs for analogy or allegory or figurative. Uh, here's l l let me give you the simplest example I've read on that. And and people say, well, you know, it's either got to be literal or figurative. No, no, it's literal and figurative. And here's an example of literal and figurative both being true. You throw a party in your backyard, middle of summer, and eight, nine o'clock at night, and people are getting mosquito bit, okay? <laughs> so the next morning, you tell your friends, man, I had a great party last night, but there were billions of mosquitoes. Okay. The literal is true. You had a party in your backyard last night. What's allegory What's figurative is there were a billion mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of mosquitoes out here, but I'm pretty sure we're in a billion. You see what I'm saying? There, and, and so when we look at Revelation, there are times when the, the, the literal clearly points towards a figurative that, that follows. All right. Mm. And, um, mm. and so, but the thousand mm. years uh, is, is translated that, that way on purpose. Now in God's time, you know, a thousand years is like a yeah. whole, you know, a grain of sand right. on the beach, right? But that's to right. God. Uh, it, but it's it's a literal. Uh, it's a literal no, one one thousand years. Is it a literal for sure? Uh, yeah, because I always thought it was, and now uh, somebody recently was talking about it not being. You know that it's a God time, whatever that is. Well, to God, it is a short time. To us, it's a thousand years. Because we're not God, and we experience his time in our context of real time. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's the dogs agreeing. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, any other questions? Okay. We'll we'll continue with um, chapter twenty next week. It gets a little heavier as as we go on. So uh, when we when we get through chapter twenty, things are going to escalate pretty quickly and. And uh, I think you'll find 21 and 22 go fairly quickly. Uh, and then at the end of that, we'll go back and talk about uh, what talk. eternal punishment means. Okay. Uh, and what it means within the context of Revelation and what the lake of fire means. So there's some things we need to look at in the rearview mirror um, before, we, uh, before we leave Revelation.